Welcome to Conscious Collaboration, the premier show for authentic discussions with growth-oriented leaders. Hello, friends and listeners to a new episode of Conscious Collaboration. I am Josh Bayer. I'm one of the co-hosts of this podcast, along with Yael Sivi, who is another great co-host. And if you haven't listened to her episodes, please feel free to check them out. Yael and I are co-founders of Collaborative Coaching, and our focus in our work really has a lot to do with supporting the human dynamics in the context of collaboration and leadership. And it's out of this particular context that this idea for this series of podcasts has emerged. And today I am very happy to welcome Vincent Chung, who is an architect and also with um, the group's managing partner for Grimshaw Global. Help, uh, welcome. Welcome, Vincent. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Yeah. So I really wanted to have you on this podcast for a number of reasons. And I uh, want to introduce a little bit, but also let you know, it's like, why did I want to have you here? And so one thing is, I consider you a collaborator. You have been participating in the design and the execution of really large scale public infrastructure or public space projects. So for those of you who do not know Vincent's body of work, we are recording this from New York. So for those of you who have been to the Fulton Center, for instance, that's a huge piece of work that your firm did. Uh, I think it was 2014 it was reopened. That's that, correct. It yeah. was uh, almost, almost a decade plus uh, in the making. So uh -huh. an extremely long project and many turns and twists along the way, for sure. Yeah. And what's very interesting is, in part, the design philosophy of Grimshaw, really, with a commitment to looking at the natural world and drawing inspiration from there to create meaningful public spaces. Mm -hmm. is, is that fair to say? Very fair to say. So there are others. There is the Science Museum in Miami. Um, for some of you who perhaps are in England, ever go to the Biomemes, the largest greenhouses, I believe to the day still. Uh, in Eden, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So there's a lot of collaboration going on. And that really leads me to my first question, if we look at collaboration as accomplishing something that you cannot accomplish on your own, which really at the core it is, what do you think are some big factors that can make or break collaboration? Well, well, I think as an architect, we are, I am well-placed in considering the value of collaboration. I think that we certainly pride ourselves in approaching commissions with a humility. So there needs to be a thorough appreciation of what you yourself can bring, but also a receptiveness to the contribution of others. And I think that collaboration is very distinctive from, let's say, cooperation, insofar mm -hmm. as it really um, gives you a chance to surprise yourself. In other words, that the product of your collaboration is something that you simply could not envisage or deliver yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why receptiveness becomes so important. As architects, I think it's fascinating that we certainly talk about our work as being very much vested in problem solving and thinking about things from first principles. So we don't necessarily bring a, we try not to bring a preconception of a solution to a given problem. And again, that requires you to be, be quiet in your own voice and be a very good listener to the needs of others, the contribution of others. And then you have a responsibility to assimilate that thinking mm -hmm. uh, into a, an architectural vision or a design. Mm -hmm. We deal with ideas, the currency of ideas. And as you know, you know, ideas can come from anywhere, you know, from anyone at any time. And so your ability to really appreciate that and then 
build upon that uh, is, a, is a core component of our work. Yeah. When I walked up here to your office today, I, I passed all the lovely models that you have in the lobby of this building. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me, I literally have a slides on one of my decks by, I think, Jim Glyph, who's a Geary partner architect, who once said that if you freeze an idea too quickly, you basically... You, you hinder people from playing with it. People get invested in their yeah. particular idea. There's psychological ownership of ideas. Yeah. And that kills that receptiveness that yeah. you just mentioned. Huh? I absolutely agree. Yes. Yeah. And yet there's a balance between also having your own vision and bringing your own vision and being open. So that's that's quite a tricky balance to strike. It's, it's very tricky. And I think that's in a sense, you know, when you and I have spoken before, we talk a lot about the practice. And, and obviously architecture is a practice. Um, you're constantly navigating between those senses of objectivity and receptiveness and then the desire to promote your own thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and and there, is no, there is no formula for success. I think that it, it very much varies project by project based upon the assemblage of people, uh, of, the, of the team that you have, as to when you use certain levers in leading and other moments where you have to be very much in the background and allow the, the nature of the conversation or the idea exchange to just happen more organically. Mm -hmm. It's a dance of sorts. It's very much, it's very much. You're a, stepping a up, you're fading out. And occasionally you have to choreo be the choreographer of, uh -huh. of that dance. Uh -huh. yeah. Oh, two years ago, I think, uh, Yo-Yo Ma, the, the cellist, mm -hmm. had a, was promoting a new record he'd just done where he played a solo with orchestra. And so he had just this collaboration with an orchestra and he was asked like well, what was it like because often he is recording solos and what do you consider the biggest contributing factor to collaboration and he said the lack of ego mm. what, do, what do you think about that i think that to be a good collaborator you have to be open so you have to be honest and you have to be very much able to make others feel at ease in order to bring forward their thinking mm -hmm. If you come in with too strong of an ego, too strong of a definition of expectation, then you're, I think as you're suggesting, the idea can be calcified too quickly. Or we like to say in our practice, you, know, you can suddenly remove the oxygen from the room mm -hmm. and there really isn't the fertility then for exchange. Yeah, yeah. So how do you, was that, was that a quality that you have, you know, when you think back from like graduating and then you started out in your career many years back, is that a quality that back then you already had on your radar, this this receptivity? Or how did, how did you get that? I don't recall actually that far back. I think it's interesting when, when I think about your training as an architect and things, things have changed and, and we're involved in academia quite a great deal. But certainly back in the day when I was in school, um, one of the presumed virtues was to be very authoritative and persuasive and to be able to communicate ideas, be articulate, and win arguments and basically use that as the premise upon which you then can say, we've heard what you've had to say, here is our interpretation, here is our vision, and here is our design. Mm -hmm. I think programs for buildings have got increasingly more complex. And I think as things have evolved, there's a, and it's a positive thing, a much greater recognition that your work is in service of oftentimes a myriad of constituents, not, all the, not always those directly in front of you but a whole body of people and communities around. And so having to really just be conscious of that and make sure that in your thinking, you know, you're addressing every conceivable angle, every conceivable perspective into your design becomes increasingly important. I'm not sure that that's something that you, you I think you learn that through experience. I mean, I think I'm, I'm blessed because, and I know that 
one time we've talked about people that you can learn from. I think I'm blessed that in, in my circumstance, I have 18 partners and, you know, they're supremely intelligent. That's a blessing and a curse, I think, at times. And really just being able to observe the way each of us works is probably the most fruitful passage for learning and then yes. recalibrating your own behaviors and your own learning along the way. Okay. So I imagine, and that is indeed my experience talking professionally with people in leadership positions or in particular, you know, specialists of sorts that they, there is a curiosity to, to like a willingness to scrutinize, to see like what's going on here and how to get better. I would argue not everyone brings that. And another reason why I was very interested in having you on this podcast is we, a number of years ago, I think about a couple of years ago, we, our past crossed professionally in, in relationship to thinking about leadership development or mm -hmm. intentional culture at Grimshaw. And what I was struck by was your thoughtfulness and your, when you're probing, when you use language, you want to be exact. And it, it brought to mind a quote I really appreciate by the poet T.S. Eliot who said, we had an experience, but we missed the meaning. And you strike me as a man who doesn't want to miss the meaning, who doesn't want to miss the lesson learned that's in the experience. That's very sweet. I, I, I don't know quite how to react to that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that in my present capacity, because of the intelligence I'm surrounded by, you know, there, there's, a, there's a burden to be prepared and to be precise. And, and so at the moment, I'm serving as our group managing partner, and, and that's a title that suggests perhaps um, an authority. It doesn't really exist. It's more about a, um, a position of trying to, trying to align interests and trying to understand broadly across the entire practice mm -hmm. um, what our best course of action should be and what we should be looking forward to. Uh, and we've grown remarkably. You know, I, I joined over 20 years ago when we were really a very homogenous culture um, practicing from the UK with tremendous pedigree, great, great legacy of projects, wonderful leadership portfolio of work. And I think through a spirit of adventurism, you know, we've grown to become eight studios globally, 650 odd people, uh, not odd people, but 650 approximate people. And in the course of that, um, I think there's a lot to reflect upon because it yeah. wasn't really through um, a deliberate strategic endeavor. I think mm -hmm. it was more from the realization that we could bring value to things. Clearly, we had an appreciation of our own design and, and how we wish to work. And again, I began by talking about humility. I think that one of our core strengths has been we want to be responsive, not just environmentally, but culturally and to the communities in which we work. And that led to this desire to explore new places, new ideas, and we've grown as a consequence of that. I think that one of the features of that development has been this need to then think, well, how do you assimilate and maintain some coherency of culture whilst we are growing at the same time and whilst we're encountering new environments and new experiences? Mm -hmm. And so there's always that link between from those experiences, finding meaning that still keeps us bound together in a productive and sincere way. Yes. And I would argue because I believe I'm hearing a number of qualities of what I would consider are signatures of conscious collaboration, receptivity. Mm -hmm. You have said the willingness to 
listen in to understand what's going on, on on the other side and not only to listen in but to actually allow yourself to be affected by what you're hearing and then see how do you work with that that there is collaborations more than cooperation mm-hmm. it's not just aligning effort there is something that you will come to that was you know to use the overuse perhaps metaphor of the, the sum being more the whole being more than the sum of its mm. part there's something that emerges and in a way it tells us like oh there's collaboration going on yes right there so let me test or compare notes mm-hmm. so yael and i we've been playing with this for a long time on and off what's conscious collaboration so we we have no one definition but we like to always invite our guests thoughts on this so we firmly believe that collaboration is not a method or a framework or a thing that you get it. You may have to work hard to get it, but once you get it, you got it, and then you can set it and forget it, and then hooray, you're, you're, you're a great collaborator. That is not how it works, which is unfortunate for a number of people who kind of want the golden bullet. It's like, tell me what to do, boom, and then we're, we're good. We can mm-hmm. focus on something else. Rather, we look at it as an ongoing set of practices and attitudes, something that is really an ongoing commitment. And that commitment is quite personal. So there is a willingness to be in relationship. There is a willingness also to see like, how do I show up personally for this? It's not just a professional thing. There is there is something, the, the professional growth, the collaborative challenge very much can have to do with a personal growth challenge. And it's my ongoing commitment that makes collaboration possible and makes collaboration conscious. And I wonder, does, do you buy it? Do you have different thoughts? Oh, I know. I, I'm very excited to hear that. I, I think that I was reflecting upon the nature of being in a profession and, and, and what that might mean. And one of the consequences of many people's attitudes towards professions are that you distill a service offer. You distill mm-hmm. a set of policies and scopes and behaviors And what's incredibly enriching about being an architect is that you are privileged to really be exposed to the insights and experiences of others. And and you can't deny the fact that that is one of the most intimate experiences and opportunities. And so like it or not, and you may not be aware of it in the instance, but you will grow from that exposure and you'll learn from that. And I think that it's inextricably bound, the sense of professional development, personal development. I find it disturbing if there is this sort of idea of bifurcation of the two. Mm-hmm. Because, and maybe by virtue of the fact that so much of our time is spent thinking about work, that the actual boundary between the two realms um, is, is no longer quite so distinct as it may have been historically between the work that you do and then the personal life that you lead. Rightly or wrongly, they're inextricably bound today uh-huh. more than ever before. As long as you're learning, it's, 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 it's the right way to bring one facet of your life to another. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I think that as an architect, you know, you're constantly navigating between the objective and the rational and the emotional and trying to synthesize the optimum outcome for both. You can't have one without the other. Totally agree. And what I'm curious about is how did you get there? Just to give you a personal example, I studied physics. I think you know that. And when I started to do consulting. It was very technical consulting. And I very quickly realized it didn't matter what project I was on. Everything didn't work according to plan. I was never on time, was never on budget. The quality was never what it was supposed to be. 
And in my first two years, I realized like 99.5% of the cases had to do with human dynamics. Because initially also, I didn't necessarily have an awareness of the importance of human dynamics and, and how I was co-creating and contributing to the human dynamics that I was a part of. So what you're describing, I wonder, is, is that a result of, you know, like, is that where you started? Or did you get there through a series of insights? You know, is that a result of reflection? Or, or did you, like, is that how you've been thinking, you know, all those years, all along, right out of the grad school? I'm sure it isn't. I, I think <laughs> one of the things that I, I you know, recall and now sort of a chairman had said years ago, um, Sinek Grimshaw had mentioned that, you know, one of the delights of buildings and designers that they can frequently surprise. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is they ought to surprise uh, even the author because until you see them in use, you don't really know how they'll be received. You don't really know how other people uh, will choose to inhabit and, and enjoy them. So if I'm getting to, I'm not sure I'm getting to the direct heart of your, of your comment or question, but acknowledging that you're not entirely in control mm -hmm. is probably a good thing. Yes. Um, because then, as you say, you know, you can be transformed by that. You can see the evidence of all the complexity of humanity that you simply can't put into a spreadsheet or you uh -huh. simply can't solve for through yeah. an algorithm. And that faith to kind of loosen the reins a little bit mm, to yeah. see what will fill that space that's, that's really the imaginative element that perhaps surprises you in a good, in a good way. Have you, do you feel that's a faith that's been with you all along? Now look, back to collaboration as a set of practices and attitudes. I wonder, is there any one practice that now with hindsight, you know, you may have not declared it a practice throughout all these years, but with like looking back, you would say, this is what I naturally brought, or this is what I'd intentionally tried to do. So I would be more receptive. So I would have faith in letting loose some of the control, allowing things to emerge. What helped you get there? I, you know, there's one experience I had, and, and I, I was our first employee to come to the States and to oversee the kind of management and delivery of a project, our first commission here. And working remotely without a base and therefore being easily forgotten at times, it requires you to really rethink your relationship to others. What is the nature of that relationship? And how do you really maintain it and grow and nurture mm -hmm. that relationship? It's very easy when you're surrounded by all of your friends in your environment to which you're very accustomed to keep behaving the same way. I think there are times perhaps when you're confronted by very different circumstances mm -hmm. that give you pause and a moment to really reflect upon what is my contribution here? How can I be most effective? And it may not be in the fashion that you were most successful previously. And so I think having that ability to adapt and, and recognize that you have to change, mm -hmm. you have to, in a sense, re-earn your you know, credentials and your relationships uh, and ensure that you can build them and nurture yeah. them further. That might have been a moment for me where suddenly that untethering was, was probably a productive, uh -huh. a productive uh, experience. And I believe I'm also hearing a readiness, a willingness to be challenged. 
around your own perception of what am I bringing here or what do I need to do to be a successful contributor, where the feedback you get from your environment, from your intelligent and, and challenging partners mm -hmm. in, in a good way that there is value in that. And I'll be honest with you, you know, there, there are times, and I think we've shared this, it can be very frustrating for me because I feel as if I have a sense of, well, this will be great. Mm -hmm. We could We could think about things this way. The truth is we've always been better because there are multiple people involved. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt in my mind that we are stronger for that. And so, whereas previously there may have been elements in our culture that were more the zero sum game. Now I think it's much more, well, actually as a, a group of 18, 19 partners who didn't come together because we were fresh out of college and best friends. We came together for all sorts of different reasons, mm -hmm. but we've grown together and we've evolved together. And the appreciation that you need to invest the time to know each other and to consult properly and to be very sincere in that consultation yeah. has, in my mind at least over the last handful of years, really generated some very worthwhile uh -huh. results. And here I would argue is another quality of a conscious collaborator, the sincerity. Mm -hmm the sincerity to understand what's in the feedback to work with it again. And it seems you're, in a way, you're buying the idea or it, it resonates with you that personal growth and professional growth are two sides of the same coin, at least for, for many of us in, in, in creative professions. Is there an example where you, when you look back at your own life, where you say it's like, this was a moment where I had a professional challenge, but really I was challenged as a person to mature and grow. And as a result of it, it helped me be a better collaborator. It helped me be a better leader. So I, I, I'm sorry, I, I may disappoint. I'm not sure I can pinpoint a particular moment. I think personal growth, it, it is a continuum. And I think mm -hmm. that one of the things that's been intriguing about the last few years, certainly for myself, we as a practice have been designing our practice. And so when I reflect upon what we inherited, with respect to conventional wisdoms given to us about governance from lawyers and from accountants and other advisors, it's taken us quite a while to grow into that understanding and to live it in a way that we can now begin to refine, calibrate and adopt even something as seemingly clear as a partnership agreement. And so I think for me personally, wanting to make sure that we develop and refine in ways that are not too dramatic or violent, mm -hmm. where the amplitude of change is too great, where the uncertainty of the, of the repercussion of change is not sufficiently well understood, mm -hmm. um, has perhaps affected me that my feeling is that you, you know, you look as far ahead as you can, and then you try to make smaller adjustments, get mm -hmm. comfortable with them test them, and then evolve again, rather than believe that there is a significant and categorical solution that will solve everything. Mm -hmm. And so it, it is ongoing in that regard. And I think that's one thing that I've very much grown to appreciate. Yeah. Is it fair to say you, you think about this a lot? Probably too much. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the moment where I can, uh, I can perhaps return or reposition myself to do more architectural projects, but uh, maybe, maybe too much. Uh -huh. Well, yes. And what I notice in a number of things you're laying out is there's often 
a desire to find the sweet spot on a continuum. You know, it's not just about pushing my vision, but it's also not just about following the lead of others. It's somewhere in between where I have a position and I'm receptive. It's about foresight, but it's also about having an impulse to realize, to work with an urgency of a moment. So there's often a Finding the right sweet spot. Finding the right sweet spot, absolutely. And I think also to, to characterize it, at least for me, um, more accurately, I do feel I have certain ideas and, 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 a, and a vision that I think is worthy of us considering. Mm-hmm. But as we mentioned before, good ideas will come from, from everywhere. And I think that one of the responsibilities as a leader is that you, you set the table in the most conducive fashion for people to come forward with their ideas Mm -hmm. and then equally be receptive and engaged. And it's from that that the vision then emerges. Because in our case, it has to be collegiate, it has to be common, and it has to be shared. And how do you, and this has to be, unfortunately, my last question, given the, the, the time that we have, how do you cultivate that? So let me rephrase my question even, uh, because I know that you are uh, one of the people who are thinking about leadership development a lot within your firm. Mm-hmm. And so if I stole magic powers, fairy godmother, you had a magic wand and you have to wave it and you can impart a quality or an attitude to all the staff at Wimshaw or wherever to make that will turn them into more conscious collaborators. How would you use your magic wand? Well, I think first of all, on myself, I think it has to start from yourself. I think, I think I just want everyone to be more generous. Okay. Say, say more of what that means. It means to take the time to, I mentioned before that we began more as a homogenous culture and now we are very different from that. And there's an urgency that we actually become even more inclusive mm-hmm. and, and certainly more diverse. I think the importance is for all of us and we're all time poor. But, but to take the time to appreciate individuals as individuals and really try to understand from multiple vantage points mm-hmm. uh, different ideas and different, different approaches mm-hmm. to work. Yeah. So a conscious collaborator isn't just someone who is actively engaged in the process of collaboration, but also thinking about the conditions. Because in a way, very that, much. That, that generosity, I would argue creates a space where people show up more. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm afraid this has to be it for for today. I encourage everyone to check out uh, Vincent Chang's bio and his body of work. Uh, I We could literally have a whole podcast just about that. In fact, as we prepared, or as I prepared for this, I saw a video, uh, one of panel discussion of yours, uh, Structure is Poetry. And <laughs> I don't know if you remember, I don't know how long ago that was, but... I just love the title in and of itself. And, and everyone had such thoughtful comments. That was a wonderful to, panel. Was it? Yes, Chicago. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm really struck by, because so often when we collaborate with others, we're so wrapped up in the actual process of getting things done. It's sometimes hard to step back and, you know, we have the experience, but we may miss the meaning. There is value in also reflecting about what's going on. And uh, we didn't quite unpack how you got there. Maybe you were just born with that kind of quality, um, but it seems to really support the qualities and attitudes that I would consider make a conscious collaborator. So many thanks for your, for your thoughts. Very enjoyable. Most welcome. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. And everyone else, stay tuned for more. Thank you.